Today we have Miriam McKissick, otherwise known as the multifamily ninja on the show. Do you want freedom of time? Miriam grew up with an entrepreneurial family and has taken that entrepreneurial spirit to the multifamily real estate investing industry. Freedom of time is extremely important to her and she loves to share with others how investing in multifamily can provide you and others with freedom of time. Listen and learn. Before we jump into the intro, look, are you afraid to start investing in real estate? I was also when I started, so I wrote a book called Why Not You to help you push past the fear. You could find it on Amazon by searching my name. On to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing. Be introduced to the players that are getting it done and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Miriam McKissick before we start the show. Miriam competed on the hit television show, American Ninja Warrior. She's competitive and she continues to push the boundaries on what she can achieve both physically and in business. She found the multifamily real estate investing industry where she can compete, she can scale, and most importantly, it helps give her the freedom of time that so many people are chasing. Listen and learn. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Miriam McKissick. Miriam, appreciate you coming on the show. I'm excited to be here, Darren. Thank you. Fantastic. So just a little bit on how we know each other. This is actually our first time talking to each other. I've seen Miriam on social media. It's intrigued me and asked her to come on the show. And the other thing I think is important is, you know, I have a lot of people come on the show that have 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 units. And, you know, some people just can't relate to those people. So you know, finding other people that are getting started and, you know, are, are earlier in their journey, I think is important to, to expose that to, to other listeners as well. So, Miriam, I appreciate you coming on. Can you share kind of where you are on your journey, how many properties and how many units you're invested in? Sure thing. So I'm based in Tampa, Florida. I've been born and raised here, so I love to invest here. Uh, it's kind of like my main goal. However, so my, what my portfolio looks like right now, I'll start with my passive investments first because I do both. I, I believe in both avenues of investing. Passively, I've, um, I'm in a 104 unit here in Plant City. There's also a development project that's happening on the other side of that asset um, on the same property. So that's kind of a unique kind of fun passive investment because uh, you know the earnings and cash flow for that one's a little different because it's an existing and a development. Um, and I love that it's local because then I can drive by and see it. Yes. Um, and then I'm in a funds that's also in florida we call it the golden triangle florida there's gainesville orlando and tampa that is where this group that i love investing with invests primarily in and that fund is kind of unique it's a lot of small and mid-sized multifamily altogether. i got to do a lot of due diligence walks on some of those assets and so i could touch and feel what those actually look like too and then thirdly i'm passively invest in texas because we all like diversification. <laughs> I know I'm sure you're a fan. Yes. I'm a fan of Texas. Yeah. And I am too. It's honestly, Florida and Texas are like, everyone knows those are great markets. I mean, they're hot as, as can be, right. but they're just, I don't know. There's just some longevity, longevity metrics there that you just can't ignore. So I'm invested passively there. And then actively I've got a nine unit that I'm a, a co-partner on in Bradenton, Florida. So that's just south of me in Tampa, about an hour. And then I own a single family rental, which happened to be my first house. When I got married, Josh and I, we we bought a house, which I thought was a, very, well, at the time it was super intimidating, but I am so glad we did that. And we bought in 2013. So you can imagine the value has- Done very well. well. Done very well and renting it, it prints cash. So that's where I'm at right now in my current, my park portfolio. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you know, why did you get involved in multifamily to start with? 
So <laughs> my journey is interesting. I, I'm an industrial engineer by training. I went to the University of South Florida and I thought I was going to climb the corporate ladder. I, you know, we're in our society, we're kind of, I'm going to say the, brain, the word brainwashed, but it's really not negative in that sense. It's just culturally, we are trained that there is a way to do it, a way to do things. I thought that engineering was going to be my, my path to success and basically becoming an executive would be the pinnacle of my career. But about, oh my goodness, three years ago now, I was, you know, I'm doing my, I'm doing my career thing. I'm one of four girls. So I was the only one to complete college. I come from an entrepreneurial family. So they're all like self-employed, but in small business. So I don't know. I just felt like college was going to be the thing for me because I, I wasn't really getting bitten by that bug. Anyways, long story short, I discovered that I wasn't enjoying it as much as I thought I would. You, you know, were, you weren't enjoying college or the corporate world. I'm sorry, corporate world. Corporate so now world, right. I'm like 10 years into my career. I'm looking at where I'm at. I mean, I'm making good money and I'm comfortable, but you know, I don't know. I'm also in my thirties now. And I think once I started on that new decade of my life, I realized that time freedom was just way more important and started making me think differently. I also stumbled upon, um, a wealth advisor online, uh, actually through connection through my church. And his name is Jim Baker. He was an incredible teacher on wealth and finances. Um, he just talked kind of like, he just, he talks about the next phase of wealth, not budgeting and getting your finances under control. But now that you don't have debt and now you're on your feet, like how do you actually grow your wealth? Anyways, I got, I was educated by him. And of course he talks about paths to wealth and real estate was one of them. And he's not a real, he, he's in the real estate himself, but he connected, he kind of connects you with other people who are in those different areas of wealth building. And then I found some coaches um, in Sarasota, actually, who do residential real estate investing. And that's that started in the summer of 2020. So as you know, COVID hit 2020 right. and everyone's kind of looking around for what is my life, right? <laughs> People are just kind of second guessing and or you're either you were either like pursuing a different avenue because you're motivated and you're like, there's my, there's probably something better to do. Right. Or you lived in fear. I felt like you kind of were in those two camps a little bit. Sure. And, uh, I, I don't know, I guess I kind of kicked into a gear of like, no, what am I going to do differently to protect myself and my family and grow my future? And so real estate just spoke to me when I learned about the different paths to wealth. And in, and in, in my mind, it's, and what I learned, it was real estate was one investing in the stock market. That's definitely a real avenue to wealth. It just takes a long time. And then there's owning your own business, which is kind of like that diamond in the rough. You either fail or get wildly successful, right? And, but real estate was the third prong that really interested me because there are all these facts around it. Like the world, most of the world's millionaires have real estate. Um, you know, there's a consistency there that these other paths to wealth didn't really offer where, you know, it was just the most proven strategy. And so I just like that. I started consuming some books. I got into that. First of all, I got into that coaching group with the single family. And I thought that was going to be how I was going to do this thing. Sure. But then someone in that group said, this is the book. This, I'm just connecting and networking. And this awesome woman, she's like, I'm, this is my book list I'm reading right now. Um, you might like this one about multifamily. And I was like, first of all, what's multifamily? <laughs> right. Um, it was actually Michael Blank's book. Have you read Michael Blank's book? His I ha like I haven't read read his book, but I have it. I have it sitting in a, in a pile <laughs> of unread books. Um, it's it's one that I bought, and I'm planning on reading at some point. Um, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. It's got a. It's actually it's a it's a, a stealth book because the title is not. It doesn't actually say it's about multifamily. Right. It just says I think it's like finding success, finding financial success through real estate. And then the subtech, the subline is reach, uh, quit your, learn to quit your job in three years or something like that. And I was like, what? I gobbled that book up and I am not a reader. So there's that. I gobbled it up in like two days. It's, it's not an intense book. So there's that, but I just ate it up and I realized that multifamily was going to be my, perhaps the quickest path within real estate, real estate already being a fast path to wealth, but multifamily with its benefits of scale, its benefits of, of just being able to get to where you want to get sooner because of the scale. It just right. made sense to me. And 
I, I chose not to be intimidated by it because I happen to be a team player already. I, I just hate working by myself anyway. And I knew that, well, I'd rather do this with people than by myself. So let's do it. And I just, ever since then, I just never looked back. I kept the single family house because it made sense. And educating myself I was like, there's no reason to get rid of this asset. But that fall, I joined an actual multifamily mastermind, which you know him, I believe, David Tupin. I joined, yes, yes, I joined David's absolutely. group. Yes, he, he was just launching his group in November of 2020. And so I, I bought into that one. I'm so glad I did. Good guy. Um, I actually went on a mastermind with, with him and his group in uh, Jamaica a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Like a Secret X trip? Yes. Or, yes. yes, yes. I really want to do one of those one day. I have it on my list. Uh, but yes, that, that's kind of how it all started. And it took off from there. That's fantastic. So a few comments uh, based on what you said. One is, look... I mean, uh, in terms of options and education, growing up, really, people don't talk about these other options, you know? So I, I will always, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, family and I always wanted to own my own business, um, but I thought investing just meant investing in the stock market. You know, I didn't even realize you could do this until about four or five years ago. So I applaud you that you found it, you know, um, and I think that that's, that's part of the, the goal of having a podcast or having conferences is, is it introduced to more, more people. And you don't, the other thing that you said, which I think is, is key, is you don't know what's going to happen next, you know, until you go and do it, right? So you, you bought you, well, you bought a single family house to live in and then you ended up renting it out and then you saw the growth of it and, and you decided you wanted to do real estate. Um, you could have stayed in single family, but you, you, know, you got introduced to somebody that pointed you to a book. You read the book and then you said, multifamily is where I want to be. And, you know, it's one little step after another. And, and I really want to emphasize that to listeners is that, you have to take some kind of action, whether that's going to a meetup group and just meeting some people, go to a conference, read a book, listen okay. to a podcast, do something yeah. because you don't know what's going to happen next. So now you're, you're starting to invest passively and you're, you're starting to get into the active deals. What, do, you know, how, what does your growth path look like? So I, <laughs> as you might know, the passive investing super side is super attractive. I mean, once you start really getting into the active side, you understand truly how much effort and, you know, time and attention it takes to do this right. And I just have a lot of respect for active investors. Um, now, as I'm progressing through my multifamily career, and I know it looks like the hockey stick graph. I don't know if everyone, anyone's described it to you, but like in multifamily, you're like this forever. Like, um, and for those, and those who are watching or listening, you can't see my hands, but it's a hockey stick graph. Imagine a hockey stick on its side with the, with the end of the stick kind of shooting up at the end. And that that's what multifamily does. You have to have tough skin and a lot of patience to stay on that long, but steady eddy track. Um, and then all of a sudden you're going to hit this inflection point where, cause then this is the magic of multifamily you just, it's going to take off. And all have you hit it yet? Um, I, I, no, <laughs> the short answer is no, but I, I am getting closer to it. Like I know I am, I feel it. What I look back, I'm part of a, an amazing smaller uh, accountability group with a couple women in my area. And we just, we remind ourselves how far we've come. And it's true. Like in November of 2020 is really when I started educating myself on multifamily. And I'm about to hit my what, two year anniversary this month. And I can't believe where I'm at. Like it took two years, but also I work full time and I do a lot with my life. It's not like I'm doing this full time. Multifamily has really afforded me. Um, I'm, I'm really seeing the benefits of the scale. So um, let me back up. And cause you asked me what, a, where are my goals with active um, investing? I still want to own my own assets. Don't get me wrong. Um, but now I'm seeing the power of how passive investing is truly like, the ticket to freedom, because now you can sit back and relax basically and let your money work for you. Granted, you can make more money on the GP side um, quicker, right? It's kind of like you get, you have that, those advantages, but um, I, I, I'd like to diversify in both, but I probably don't have as much gun ho about owning 
a lot of my own assets as I did maybe a year ago. Now that I've been experiencing my, my little nine unit in Bradington, so many good lessons are being learned in that project. And I'm just glad that I'm doing it with nine units and not 900 for my first. Okay. Because, because just the, the risk appetite, right? It's like, I'm learning all of the things that are going to be important for every deal I do hereafter. But instead I, I can sleep better at night knowing that it's nine units and something I am financially in control of more than I could ever be with multi-million dollar assets. So. Sure. Part of that I think is, is mindset and, and, you know, for listeners, do what you think you can achieve, you know, whether it's, you know, buy a single family house or buy a duplex or buy a six unit or nine unit or 12 unit or get into a hundred plus units. Some people can go big right away. You know, their, they, their mind lets them mm -hmm. do that. You know, I went from a duplex to a 76 unit, but you have to do something, you know, and then that something, you know, you end up after you do that, you, you get all these learning lessons and then you also get charged up for, okay, well, what's next? Yeah. Well, get me, don't get me wrong. Like I actually do have a big appetite to go at least double the size from the next one because, yeah. because of it, I'm just saying like, I really appreciated the fact that, cause my, my money's on the line too. It's just, absolutely. I just enjoy knowing that I have more control over this situation personally. And then, you know, like I said, learning the lessons that I'm learning, it's, um, I'm just going to carry that forward. Like, I'm so glad it's happening now and not maybe something that might be a lot more stressful later. Um, but you're right. Mindset growth is huge. Like here I am loving multifamily, knowing it's my dream, but I still have work to do with growing that mindset. It is crazy where you can go um, in, in that growth mindset. So I'm still working on it. <laughs> I was scared to do the duplex and I had, I had the funds. I'm look, I'm a little older than you are. I'm 52. Um, and so I got going four or five years ago. I had the capital, but I was still scared because it was new. It was something I hadn't done. Um, and I was, you know, was like, I don't want to lose, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, that's mm -hmm. how so many people think is they, they think I don't want to lose, but I've interviewed so many syndicators that have been extremely successful and they think of a different question. They think, what's the worst thing that can happen? Awesome. Yeah, and, that's And great. I'm like, you know, wow, that, that's a different way of looking at things. You know, instead of being like, I'm afraid to lose, well, what's the worst thing that can happen if this thing goes south? And then what's the other side? What's the upside? And which one is more probable? And the upside is, is more probable. So um, that's yeah. huge. Now, being younger, um, getting into the real estate investing world, did you have friends and family that were kind of like, what are you doing? Like, or were well, they supportive? So family has always been supportive of, of me, which is, I'm very blessed to have that. Um, and being that they're an entrepreneurial family, and I grew up with that. My dad was a cabinet maker and he built cabinets for a living. My mom was an artist and sold her work. Um, my sister is like a self-employed photographer and she's amazing at it. Like we, we always were taught at a young age how to be like, self-fulfilling, right? Self, um, self, what's the word I'm looking sufficient. for? Thank you. Self-sufficient. And so because of that, I feel like I've always had support no matter what, what I ran into though, wasn't so much the lack of support was just the like unable to understand why it was such an amazing asset class. Like it was almost like two above their heads. Right. right. Um, and I, ha I find myself educating people a ton, my immediate circle, even my husband. I mean, he's on board now, but he didn't understand why I was going to so many conferences and meetups. And he's like, what are you, what, what's it doing? You know, like, I don't, he didn't see any fruit really. Like, he's like, if we're going to make money, let's make money right away. But it's like, it's not how it works. Like this is a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And, and so explaining that part to people has been something I've noticed right away is this is, it's a journey. It's like, there's no such thing as quick money. I'm sorry. Like, unless it's the lottery or, you know, you got lucky on the stock market. Like you hear stories about this. And I feel like society glorifies those situations when really reality is not that and persistence and consistency and the small steps every day are what makes the big difference in the end. Yeah. And, and the wealthy, they invest in real estate. And one of the, one of the big things that, you know, what they're looking to grow, um, 
their wealth greater than inflation, um, but they, they're also concerned with capital preservation. Mm-hmm. Like, where am I going to park my capital and not have the stock market go down by 30, 40%, you know? That's right. And, and, and they choose real estate, you know? And look, every investment, including real estate, is cyclical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there are times where real estate goes into a bad time and values go down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to be able to ride those out and then come out the other side. Correct. So um, you've got an interesting, um, I, don't, I don't know what you want to call it, hobby or? Yeah, you could call it a hobby. Um, <laughs> um, so share, I don't want to give it away. So share with the listeners like what that is, your, your tagline on Instagram and um, claim to fame. Sure thing. I, I dub myself the multifamily ninja. Um, the, the word ninja actually comes from my, what I actually do for fun. And that is I do Ninja Warrior. So those of you um, who are listening might recognize or know of the show American Ninja Warrior. Um, we have that here in America. It's actually in other countries too, but I got into it because my sister, remember I come from a family of four girls, girls. my, my middle sister, Charity, she actually makes a living online. She's a social media influencer. She actually got on the show back in 2018 and we watched her live in Miami on American Ninja Warrior. And so I was, so we've always been active our entire lives. We've been, been adventurous. We try new things. So this wasn't a surprise that she like got on the show and was like, she was training for it in someone's backyard before. Cause this was like before, before I mean, they had any, you know, gyms. Yeah. Like focused on that. They were definitely around. Don't get me wrong. But in Florida, like where we're at, there was no gyms. Like, and so she got on the show, we watched her live and I'm like, why am I not doing this? This is so fun. Like this looks so fun. She did really well. She went on to the next stage. Um, and then I basically, I got, I got my feet wet in the sport that, that later that year. And then we both got on the show the following year. Did you really? Yeah. So, you, so you were on the show. You I was and on your the sister. show. Yes. That's, that's so fun that you and your <laughs> sister were on the same year. It was super fun. Um, and now the way it works is not everyone's broadcasted. Um, you, you might recall if you've seen some of the episodes, yeah. you only see like 20, maybe 30 people run in a night. Um, but there's hundreds competing actually. Oh, and so that's how, the, that's how the producers, they kind of pick and choose. They call it, it's really reality television. Like right. it's, they pick and choose what they think is going to make the best TV at, at the time. Um, so I, I fell a little early because I was a new ninja, baby <laughs> ninja. I look back then and I'm like, I shouldn't have been on the show. It was so like out of my league at the time, but I got hooked and I've been training ever since. There are now like national leagues that you can join and win competitions. And um, I do that in my spare time. I, I train all the time and I do hope to uh, apply for the show again this year. So that's very cool. So my kids are, my son is a senior at Texas A&M. My daughter's going to be going to college um, down your way, actually, in Florida um, in January. And that was one of the shows that. You know, it's hard to find a show that the kids like and mm-hmm. the parents. <laughs> and, you know, exactly. now it was probably when they were, you know, eight, nine, ten in that time frame. But that was one of the shows that we liked to watch all together was America's Ninja Warrior, you know. And that's um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so when I saw you, your tagline and, you know, that that was a hobby of yours, I thought that was so interesting. And to be a woman, to, you know, be in that, you know, have that type of hobby and to be focused on investing in multifamily, that typically you don't see all that together. So, (laughs) you know, it makes you stand out, which is, which is great. And um, so talk about how that has helped open doors or conversations or, or whatnot. It's been everything, actually. I really Yes. You don't understand how much your personal brands, like it is in this day and age, it is so important to find that for yourself. And the good news is everyone has one. I feel like that's also kind of like eludes people sometimes like, Oh, I don't know what makes me special, but listen, if you're alive and you're breathing oxygen, (laughs) you've got a unique nature to you and you just have to tap into it and surrounding your yourself with people who can lift you up and find, pull that out of you too, is really important. 
Um, like one of the greatest tips I ever heard was what do people compliment you on? And that is going to be kind of a window in a key into what you might be really good at and what might make you stand out or what makes people notice you. So anyways, multifamily ninja, I, it just, when I started finding my love for multifamily and I did ninja, I obviously want to become a ninja in multifamily too. Right. I'm, I'm on my journey to that as well, but like, I just feel like it opens up so many opportunities within conversation. Um, people who look me up online, they're like, oh my God, you do this cool thing. Like they're, I, I also, if you, you can't really see me here, but like, I'm a thin frame. Like I look like I shouldn't be able to, <laughs> to do this. I'm, I'm not like super muscular or like this big athletic, like woman, but I, I just love it. So I think I catch people off guard too. Like you, you do that. Like sure. you sure. Yeah. So it's, it's a great conversation starter. And so it does open up the door for me to just talk about my life and what I'm interested in. Um, so I'm very thankful for that and I'm just leveraging it. Cause I feel like it's my passion. Like, why would I not? So. I think that's great. And I think that you had a lot of wisdom there for listeners because I talk to a lot of people that, and some of them, you know, may not be that confident and they're like, you know, they're getting into the game. They want to be, they want to be part of multifamily. They understand it's a team sport, uh, but they're like, what value do I have? Yeah. And, and then on the social media side, I have people that are like, look, I'm not going to post anything or do anything until after I get my first deal or, or after it goes full cycle. Some people will say, you know, but you know, there's people in, like you said, everybody has a personal brand. Everybody has a network also. Yeah. And there's some people that are in, you know, listener, if you're, <laughs> you're listening to this, like you have a network that is not my network and it's mm -hmm. not Miriam's network and they trust you and they don't know us. Right. And That's right. so if you can help educate them, even if it's, Hey, I'm thinking about going to get in real estate and you start sharing stuff on Facebook and Instagram and different places, it allows your network to learn from you. And then as they learn from you, they start to think of you as being kind of the point person in that space. Yeah. You're building trust. You're building right. trust. Yeah. So th that's fantastic. Um, I, I love that. So now talk about partners. How do, how do you find partners and you know, what's, what are your goals surrounding finding new partners going forward? Yeah. So this is big for me. I, so you talked about what is your, what is your value? What do you bring to the table in this team sport we call multifamily? I've actually been on a journey trying to figure that out for myself because when you're first learning, you have to, you have to experience all of it. You have to experience the underwriting. You have to experience the acquisitions. You have to experience the capital raising. You have to experience the operations of running the actual asset. Like, and you have to get your feet wet in all of those to even figure out what you're good at. Some people are lucky and they figure out, I know that I'm going to be good at this thing, but that's, I think that's a rarity. Um, for me, I, I guess you can call it a problem, but I tend to be a, good at a little bit of everything. <laughs> so, so, and even my personality, you know, those like a personality tests that you take, I'm always like even keeled. I have a little bit of everything in every category. And I've always noticed that about myself. And sure enough in multifamily, I can underwrite deals. Like it wasn't something I hated, but it also wasn't something I loved. It's like, okay, I can do this. You know, the operations, the operations and the management, like I got to walk some units with some mentors locally and I'm like, oh, I can do this. This isn't like intimidating. And, but at the end of the day, I was like, I don't know what really stands out to me. And going back to that, what I said earlier, what do people compliment you on? I started noticing that people were like, you are a great networker. You are an amazing extrovert. Like you, you light up the room. People are magnetized to you. People want to talk to you about multifamily. And sure enough, I was like, that's, that's happening without me trying. And so that's a huge indicator to me that I probably should focus my efforts on probably the capital raising side, because, you know, you have to do a lot of education there. You have to um, bring equity into deals and, and basically, like I said, build that trust through your education and networking. So I am kind of focusing on that aspect when I, when it comes to building a team. Hey, Miriam, let me jump in here. You know, you mentioned the capital raising side and, 
You also earlier in your conversation, just very briefly, you mentioned church. And, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but, you know, I feel like um, these podcasts and also syndications bringing, you know, other investors into the deal, let them have passive wealth creation. I feel like that's a part of giving back and serving, you know, so it. It's, you know, not only is it helping build my wealth and the wealth of others, but I feel like it's, you know, the big man upstairs <laughs> giving us a skill that we can use to, to benefit others. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Like philosophically, I have an abundance mindset. Like going back to the wealth coach I mentioned earlier, I'd already, already always had it, I think, a little bit in my in my heart and in my life mission. Like I always love to give. But like, you know, you always feel limited by your resources. But when you have an abundance mindset, there's enough for everyone and more. And it's actually more of a selfish viewpoint to have when you're just, you know, just I'm just going to take care of me, myself and my family. And that's enough for me. I feel like it's kind of a you have to change your perspective a little and and realize that abundance mindset means no, giving back. There's more than enough for not only to provide above and beyond for my own family and the people I care about, but to change the world. It's about, for me, it's about influence. It's about making a mark on, on the earth while I live here. And, you know, you can't do that without resources. You can't do that without wealth and money. Honestly, the people who do, the people who do have it, they're the ones making change. You know, it's a very interesting point. And actually I, I just had to challenge myself in that area just, just recently because, so I am involved where I'm a, you know, I, I did what you said and, uh, you know, that you wanted to do. And I was a lead general partner and I did all the facets of the business. Um, but then I started to say I wanted to be more on the capital raising and, um, and I've partnered with a lot of lead syndicators and, but I've invested in every one of those deals. And one of, one of my deals closed and I'm going to have a big tax liability. And then I've invested in a lot of multifamily deals over the last two years. And so all of a sudden I had a deal come up and I'm like, you know, I just don't have the capital to put into this. And I wasn't going to part, but I was asked to partner and I wasn't mm-hmm. going to partner. And I was like, I had this debate in my head, like, well, if I can't invest, then I shouldn't partner. And then I thought to myself, well, you're being selfish. Like it's an opportunity Mm -hmm. for other people in your network to potentially invest in that deal. And so I talked to my wife about it and I went and decided to do it. And then I went out to investors and then a number of them asked me like, are you investing in the deal? And I told them, no, I'm not Mm -hmm. investing in the deal. I will get a piece of the general partnership, but I'm not putting my own capital in and here's why. And I thought they weren't going to invest because of that. And they were like, you know what? This is a good opportunity. I'm in, you know? Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, but I did, I felt like I had that debate, like, okay, should I do this or shouldn't I? And I kind of felt like God was convicting me that like, you're, look, you're being selfish if you don't put it out to other people. I love that, Darren. I, cause I actually have that philosophy too. Like ideally you want to put your own capital in yes. as a proof, as a proof of concept right. and also building that trust with your investors. I'm doing this too. I'm, I'm on the line just as much as the next person. Right. And however, I love that at the end of the day, authenticity and honesty is what is what makes the world turn. Like that's what people want to see and hear. And I think you acting confidently and saying, this is why I can't or why I am not doing it at this time, like that right there builds trust. And I feel like that's an incredible, I'm going to actually take that tip for myself because, you know, I wish I had a lot yes, more money I, to invest constantly. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I've, yeah. I'm very thankful that I've been able to, ble- to, to invest. I've invested a hundred thousand, a lot of de- different deals and I'm thankful for that. And then I'm like, well, should I just stop, you know, now? And, and, but I'm seeing, you know, good people with good opportunities. And I'm like, I, you know, this was my first go at it. So we'll, we'll see, you know, going into the new (laughs) year, I guess I'll have more of those. So that's um, awesome. Hey, so how do you, um, you know, we were talking about partners and stuff. And so you're, you're kind of more 
thinking on the on the either capital raising side or organization project management side. Um, what are you looking for in partners? Like, what's a <laughs> what's you know that's the value that you bring. Now, what's the what are you looking for in partners? You're- so great question. I I feel like for me. It is the acquisitions phase, underwriting especially. I want to find partners who love the underwriting and acquisition phase of a project. I, like I said, I know enough to be dangerous and I obviously have underwritten many deals myself, but there's just a time aspect there that my brain power, I just would choose to use it elsewhere. Sure. So so underwriting is a huge compliment to me, my, my strength. Um, and then the other side is like, I think the third prong would be the the asset management, but I see myself more of a, an active partner on that side, because I mentioned, I do love project management and attention to detail. I do find fulfillment and getting things organized. So I feel like that is more conducive to the asset management side of the house. Well, I can tell you from experience that look, I'm a general partner where on a lot of deals where I'm not the lead asset manager, but you know, you can still get involved, you know, like you still have different experiences that the lead gener- you know, sponsor yeah. ma- asset manager might not have. And so you can share that and possibly you guys implement some of those ideas, you know, at the, at the property. Um, so it doesn't have to be just, you know, on the capital raising side, it can also be, you know, partly, you don't have to be the lead on the asset management, but you could still add value there. Um, That's right. So now partners, you you earlier mentioned that you were looking to scale too. So you want mm-hmm. people to, that underwrite, find the deal, and that are larger deals? Is that? Yes, and larger deals in that, I think going up to about 50 units. Okay, up to 50 units. Yes, for right now. I feel like, especially where I am in Tampa Bay, here in Florida, um, there's still quite a bit of meat on the bone, I feel like, in those asset class size. So the, the, I'm in a nine unit now, so like the, the nine ten to fifty five zero is like a sweet spot for me right now. I'd love to get my hands on something closer to fifty units in the near future, um, and then you know always go up from there. But you like you know it, it. There's levels to this game, and even within this asset class, the it changes. And you know depending on the asset class that you're investing in, the strategy completely changes. When I when I talked about lessons we're learning, I, my my nine unit in Bradenton is a solid C class asset. And putting what I know in my head and the head knowledge I have and applying it to this deal, like I'm just seeing how crucial decision-making is around the C-class asset and what, what leases it, what kind of renovations actually matter. Like, you know, you can't just, you can't just like stamp the same thing on every asset. You have to be smart and intentional about what you're doing. It will what do you, what do you mean by that? So like the renovations, for example, um, I'm a detailed person and I feel like, oh, we should make this really nice. The C-class asset is an interesting asset. And especially in the market you're in, you have to pay attention because the clientele, the residents that you're attracting can be a little different too. Especially now in our economic climate, there are people like the B-class residents are being squeezed out of B-class and having to move to C-class. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a blanket statement overall, but we're seeing it here in Florida where it's getting too expensive to live here. It's getting very pricey to live in the nicer areas or the areas that everyone wants to be. And what meet that what happens is the people who could once afford that solid B-class asset now have to downsize and or in order to afford the same rent they were paying before, maybe go to a C-class asset. So I have this mixed, I'm kind of talking on both sides of my mouth right now because you said what matters. There's this happy medium between making a C-class asset a community where people want to live and not just doing the bare bone minimum because it's a C-class and those residents don't care about the frills. And I'm not saying like put, you know, stainless steel, everything and, you know, quartz countertops on, on C-class. But what, what I am saying is there's some, there's some intentional touches you can make to make it feel like a community and make it attractive to those people who are looking just for a safe, affordable, vibrant place to live. Yeah. And so so that's, and that's, again, that's a philosophical management decision too. I'm not saying that that has to happen everywhere with the C-class, but for me and what my mission is in life, like I'm not here just to make money. I'm here to provide communities. And so 
you just start making decisions differently when you have that mindset or that philosophical belief sure. in what you're doing. You know, I don't think it's just philosophical. Like I, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of different syndicators and, you know, certain people, whether it's going from B to C or whether it's going from a major market to a tertiary mm -hmm. market where there's, you know, the population isn't as, as large. Um, so the competition for, you know, uh, apartments and, you know, attracting tenants isn't as, as uh, heavy. The, you know, you could put in all the niceties, but some some places people won't pay up for that. You exactly. Know? So you mm -hmm. have to know, and that was your point earlier, like you have to really understand the market to know, hey, I'm putting this money, I'm investing this, and tenants are going to appreciate it and be willing to pay up for that. You know? Yes. Um, otherwise, you, you know, you could have one unit that you do a $5,000 rehab and another unit you do a $10,000 rehab and the tenant's only willing to pay the, you know, the price on the 5,000, you know, so you're stuck, you know, that that's mm -hmm. not good use of capital. So that that's very important to know from not only the philosophical, but also <laughs> from a business perspective. Absolutely. Um, so now um, deal flow because I'm on that side. I'm kind of on that capital raising side. So the deal flow for me ends up being more going forward, developing relationships with other syndicators that actually are good at building relationships yeah. with the brokers and winning deals. Yep. Yeah. Because especially in this, now we're entering into a recession phase. Like we're officially here. I mean, everyone knows it. We're in a recession phase and that's good news on one hand, because that means there's going to be deals coming on the market for maybe cheaper, but we're not quite there yet. We're in this weird, like gray area where interest rates are still high. Asset prices are still high. Like it's just not making sense a lot of time. But my point is in these next like 24 months is where we're going to see the operators who know what they're doing really shine and really stand out from the rest. No, gone are the days where you could pick up an asset and just because cap rates went down, you made a ton of money, right? Right. Those days are gone. And I, I fortunately or unfortunately, I kind of started learning in 2020, right? When it was actually a really good time to buy now that we're here in 2022. And, you know, you didn't have to do much to win. Um, but I'm quickly learning that I have to start aligning myself with those people who have proven track records and experience. It's just a necessary requirement for me. Right. And I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still considered a newbie on this journey. Like I am not, I am not um, oblivious to the fact that I need to align myself with, I want to be the dumbest person in the room. I want to be, I want to be surrounded by people who just blow me out of the water. And so that's, that's kind of like my mission and, and where I'm going, even in my, in my skill set is probably a networker and capital raiser and, and things like that. That's, that's what I'm really looking for right now. So a few questions. One, Tampa only or the whole triangle? The whole triangle. Okay. I mean, for me personally, it's within a two hour drive of Tampa. You can get to a lot of places within two hours. Yeah. Um, but that golden triangle kind of fits that. Does Jacksonville fit that into that? Kind of uh, just outside, just outside of a uh, Gainesville is just below at around so, two and a half hours. So. so I know a lot of syndicators that have gone in Jacksonville and have really liked that market. So um, it is, it's great. Um, yeah. It may be a consideration to, to open that up. But um, okay. so, and then the other question I had for you was you put that 50 unit limit on. So what if you meet a syndicator that has a 120 unit deal? Are you, you have no interest in that or? Oh no. That, I mean, I do. I think my role might change a little bit. I feel like in a 50 unit locally, I could be a lot more hands-on and that's why I was saying that number. Um, but yes, by all means, if a bigger deal comes along, you know, going outside of state is something that I'm not opposed to, but I'm just trying to stay focused, right? You're sure. trying to stay, trying to stay really laser focused and just accomplish one thing at a time, um, and stay, stay. Well, here, here's what I've learned, um, from kind of partnering with, with a lot of different folks is that, you know, people, you know, one, the cost basis of these properties has gone up, right? Mm -hmm. So what used to be. 30, 40 a door, then it turned into 80 a door. And then now it's, you know, 100 plus a door, 150 a door, you know, whatever. It's gotten more expensive. There's more equity that has to come yeah. into the deal. And so what I've noticed is that sponsors, 
you know, they can raise a good amount, but then they need to partner with one mm-hmm. or two or, or, or many other people that can tap into different networks. So you have your own network. If you have a network of people um, that, you know, are interested in investing in multifamily, well, calling Miriam is attractive because they're not overlapping with their own network. See, yes, I see. Yeah, it's like capital raisers coming together. Yes. So they may end up partnering with two, three, four, five different capital raisers, Mm -hmm. you know, in different parts of the country so that they they get more exposure um, onto that deal. So, um, you know, I would just say be open to that um, because I do think that you're very outgoing and I think that you're, um, I think you're probably onto something that it's the marketing side and, in the partnership side that you will thrive at. Um, but be open to going bigger, you know, yeah. um, you, you'll get a smaller piece, but it, it also, at the end of the day, when you close, um, you know, you closed on a 200 unit property and you might be a small percentage of it, but your investors are very thankful that they got the opportunity and they only got the opportunity because you <laughs> went to the conferences and you built those relationships. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. I love it. I'm, I'm here for the long run. I think it's, it's a fun, really fun game to play. So. Absolutely. So what's the next big stretch goal? I mean, is it to get the 50 <laughs> unit one next year, like 2023, what, what's your next big stretch goal? Get one 50 unit. Yes. I, I would love to nail one more local asset here in Tampa Bay um, with some partners. I think that would be incredible, but then I would love to sandwich that with going really bigger, like bigger on a deal and playing maybe that having that smaller GP role and playing in the bigger side too. If I could accomplish those two things, I would feel really satisfied and, and happy, but you know, I'm still working my full-time job. So it's, I'm blessed to have that engine to fuel my passion. And I feel like I'm going to be in that. I'm going to straddle both boats for a while, but I feel like those two goals kind of allow me to do all of it. And, um, eventually I'll be replacing the income with passive income. So absolutely. So, uh, maybe, I don't know, look, we're, we're just talking out loud here, but maybe you have a a meetup group in your area, you know, to develop relationships or do you already have that? So I actually was hoping I could tell you about that because that's, that's exactly someone really close to me in the industry said, listen, you need to start a meetup. It's like one of the best ways you get yourself out there, you know, exposure, especially if you want to stay local in your market. And sure enough, you know, multifamily meetups um, in Florida, especially Tampa, they're, they're basically rare. If they, if they exist, they're really small and kind of like meeting a few at a bar or something like that. But I had the opportunity to take over a meetup that another local um, investor had started. He was from out of state. And he was just trying to get his feet wet and sure. getting in the Florida. He started right when 2020 was kind of closing its books. Everything was shut down, but starting to reopen. So his meetup was kind of smaller, probably 10, maybe 15 people every month. And I started going because I start I Googled. I was like, where can I go to meetups locally? And his was the only one that popped up. And then he got really, he's an incredible investor. His name is Dylan Marma. Look him up um, um, with the Requity Group here in Tampa. Anyways, he got super busy. His business started picking up and he wanted to retire the meetup because he couldn't do it all. And I was, and I'm like, wait, don't quit. I want <laughs> I wanted to keep going. So did you take it over? I took it over and we've really blown it up, expanded it. We have no less than 50 people showing up every month awesome. in e- here in Ebor. And I do co-lead that with three other guys who are also part of my network. I met two of them in uh, David Tupin's group. They happen to be local. So we kind of teamed up. They're also killers. They're buying assets in Lakeland and killing it every day. And um, our goal for the meetup is just to provide real value, like connect, make connections, meet the vendors, meet the financing, meet, meet the brokers. Like that's our goal for this group. And it also keeps us accountable. So right? how it keeps do, us every, how do people in the area find out about this group? Like where, you know, where do you guys so you meet? Can, and do, we, do you have yeah. a website or meetup? You go on a meetup app or, or how do the people find it? Yes, you can find us on Eventbrite okay. and you just search. Um, it's a very generic name on purpose so that people, when they're searching multifamily, can find it. But it's uh, called Multifamily Meetup in Moore, Tampa Bay. 
And you'll see us, we got like a little apartment building with a sun background as our icon. But yes, you can contact me on um, my website or my Instagram and I'll send you all the links. We have like a landing page where you can fill out and sign up for communications. We have a Facebook group by the same name. So it's it's really great. And I'm very involved in that every month. So, so. maybe share some of those uh, details in terms of your, your website, Facebook group, Instagram tag, like Eventbrite, um, you know. Sure. <laughs> yes. Let, let people know how they can get a hold of you. Absolutely. So my website is uh, www.multifamily-ninja.com. That's my personal website. And there's a contact form there. You can contact me anytime through that and I'll, I'll hit you up. Um, but then Instagram is also multifamily underscore ninja. Um, that's not a dot com, but you know what I mean? Multi, multifamily underscore ninja is my handle on Instagram or my name, Miriam McKissick, but that's kind of a mouthful too. So um, find me there and I'll message you all the links. But yeah, um, just look me up and I'm happy to connect you, especially if you're here in Florida or visit from time to time. We are very excited where this group is going and I'm very proud to be part of it. Fantastic. It's so, it's so nice to have the younger generation actually be interested in this. And, you know, I mean, like I wish I had started in my 20s and 30s. And we talked about it earlier in the conversation that, you know, People don't teach you this stuff in school. Like it's all about get good grades, go to a good college, get into a good company and then climb the corporate ladder and yeah. investing in my mind. Look, I, I wanted to invest, but I always thought it was just the stock market. And, you know, <laughs> Me too. so yeah. being able to invest in real estate, but not have to deal with the leases and the tenants and the maintenance, you know, um, you know, being able to invest passively is, is huge. So yes. with that, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's a pleasure meeting you. I think that you're going to go far. I think that um, people like to do, you know, do business with people they like. And, <laughs> you know, I, That's th the truth. I, think, I think that you come across very likable and I think that you're going to meet a lot of great people and tell David, I said, hello. Um, good. <laughs> you're in good hands there. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that one. Until next week, uh, we're signing off. Thank you, Darren. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 